everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of A Good Story Starts With. I have the wonderful Alicia here with me today. Hi. Hey. Um, so Alicia and I met in Dunedin, and you're still in Dunedin, aren't you? But... I am, yes. Very much still in Dunedin. Loving it. Yeah. So how have you been since I last saw you? Because you were pre-engaged since I actually last spoke to you. Oh my but... gosh, has it been that long? It's oh, been it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Yeah. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, you and yeah. I used to be flatmates. I remember that that was my first experience of flatting. It was quite an interesting mm-hmm. experience. I think it was good. What was yeah, your Marvel was... character? Um so we should probably start in the beginning and say like it was a seven girl flat and yeah. we all decided to be different Marvel characters because, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's what we did. Um I was Iron Man. Oh, um nice. I was yeah. Agent Coulson, I think. From I think I was Agent Coulson, if memory serves me. Yes, correctly. you were the one who was keeping us all together and making sure we stayed out of trouble. That's right. I tried right. my best. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I was like the second youngest one in the flat. So I was like, I don't know, but it's okay. But yes, um, to answer your question, we've been very well. Um, since we last spoke, I have gotten married to a wonderful mm-hmm. man, Emil, who you knew before I knew him. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we've also had two little girls. So we mm-hmm. have a two-year-old. Her name is Ingela, and a just about seven-month-old called Anarika. Mm-hmm. And so very unique names. They are yes. So originally from South Africa, so they are South African names, and they're actually family names as well. So, oh, what do they mean? Yeah. So Ingela is the same as Angela in English. So it means um, messenger of light or messenger of God. And then uh-huh. Anarika is gracious and merciful God. Wow, that's yeah. quite beautiful. Yeah, we love those names. Um, yeah, it was funny because Emil and I actually decided on like the names of our kids before we were even engaged. <laughs> we we're like, when we have kids, we'll come up with a bunch of names and we'll just assign them to the child, which it feels fitting to. So it made it very easy when it came to deciding names after they were born. Oh, that is. And do you think that um, with the personalities of um, your daughters that those names are very fitting? I think it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, in all honesty, if I am um, going to say something that's probably a bit more fitting with their personalities, um, Emil and I wrote a prayer for each of them mm-hmm. that we prayed over them from the moment we knew we were expecting them. Mm-hmm. And so they've got unique prayers. And so far, their personality is definitely manifesting what we prayed over them. So I do feel like that's probably coming through a little bit more. And it was quite a surprise for us when we saw saw those traits starting to come through. And it was very exciting. So we love them. Um, is- yeah, Ingela is an absolute ball of energy. Um, yeah. She puts the most energetic child to shame. <laughs> <laughs> and then Anarika is just your happiest, most joyful little girl. Um, yeah, and so we're very, very proud of the two. That is so cool. Um, we started off the episode a little bit differently from the other ones because usually I'm like, "Hey, introduce yourself, and tell me who you are, <laughs> and tell me whose you are." So we're going to yes. do that here after the introduction of your family. Yes. Yeah. So whose I am? I am 100% a child of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. which is um yeah it's just it's the life journey that mm-hmm. I am so grateful for um he has been there for me in every season 
Mm-hmm. And even when I have walked away from him, you know, he mm-hmm. hasn't moved. So um, I'm so thankful for for Jesus. Yes. That's that's beautiful. Yeah, what you mentioned that even let me rephrase this. You mentioned that he's always been there for you even when you walked away. What do you mean by that? Oh, so um, I went through a period of time, very short period of time, thankfully, in my life where I questioned my faith. Um, Mm -hmm. And the reason I questioned my faith is because I didn't like the fact that Mm -hmm. I knew I was making decisions that weren't healthy. Mm -hmm. And so I figured... If I decide not to follow Jesus while I'm making these decisions, then it's all good, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> there is there is a logic to that. I can yeah, see that, that logic, is, yes. That is the 16-year-old me's logic. So um, mm-hmm. that is the way I saw life. I guess um, my self-esteem was pretty low at the time. And so mm-hmm. I decided I made, I made some decisions which were not healthy for me and not healthy for my family. And mm-hmm. most definitely damaged my relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be easier to just not follow him in that mm-hmm. time. Um, but it's one of those things, you know, when you are Jesus, when, when you belong to him, when you're his child, the way I feel it, you, you can't stay away very long. Mm-hmm. Because even in that time, he was in everything. You know, he was in the things I was seeing around me. He was mm-hmm. in the news. He was in the nature. He was in the um, friends who I spend time with. He was in my family. He was just always there, so I couldn't ignore him very long. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's probably why I came back fairly quickly, to be honest. I think um, our relationship was strong enough in the start that I probably wouldn't have stayed away very long. Hmm. How then, because you mentioned that it's the relationship between you and God, how how has that changed from 16-year-old Alicia to now wife, mother, sister, auntie? Um, how has that shifted from being like, oh, this is not just a head ascent knowledge that I ascribe to, but it's actually like a heart knowledge? Hmm. Thank you for asking that. That's a very good question. Um, yes, there have been some changes. I think Mm -hmm. the biggest thing would probably be, um, hmm, that shift from head to heart was a big one. Mm -hmm. And I think a catalyst in that was seeing the other side, seeing what life would look like without him. Mm-hmm. And when I realized that, and I realized, you know, he's my lifeboat. Um, he's the only way I'm going to weather the storms of life. I think it deepened my relationship to the point where instead of him just being like my best buddy, he became like a need, a really deep need. And I just desire him a lot more now than I did in the past. And it's probably because because we have weathered a few storms and we wouldn't have managed to get through it without him. And so he is the anchor that has held us stable in the more difficult times. And so I find I turn to him a lot more quickly 
when I am feeling lost or feeling alone. Um, and I celebrate him more quickly when things are going well. So it's more a part of life now. It was very segregated in the past. I think if I was to think about it that way, I had my my life with Jesus and my had my life at school and I had my life uh, with friends. And now it all sort of smushes together um, into one single life centered around him. Mm. And um, yeah, verbally processing here. I hope it's coming through. No, that's fine. <laughs> How... Have there been like certain disciplines that have helped you live a life that's like centered around Jesus or has it just been like a, yeah, actually has there been disciplines that have helped you? It's interesting that you mentioned discipline because discipline is mm. probably the biggest thing that I've been working on um, in the last year. Um, just that importance mm. of following through because it is so easy um, well, you know, as an artist, it is quite easy to become quite, I guess, go with the flow. Yeah. It's quite easy to just take it as it comes. Oh, if I feel like singing a worship song, I'll sing a worship song. If I feel like reading the Bible, I'll read the Bible. Um, when I feel inspired, I think that's probably um, something that's quite uh, common in creatives mm -hmm. is allowing inspiration to drive us. Now, with a relationship, just like a relationship with any person, um, it requires communication. It requires connection. And so with my relationship with Christ, it's definitely been like that as well. So disciplined prayer time, disciplined reading of the Bible, discipline, disciplined um, worship, which can look like anything. You know, worship doesn't necessarily mean musical, right? Worship can be, uh, it could be an act that you do for God. It could be writing a poem like you often do, Wilma, and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. worship is a way of lifting up God at some point, but being disciplined about that. So um, I do my best to start every day with reading something from the Bible, even if mm -hmm. it's just a few verses. And it is very hard when you have two little children to prioritize that. So it means you have to actually set the time aside. And oftentimes, if you really want to make it work, you have to get up before they do. And that is a hard thing to do. And mm -hmm. admittedly, I don't always do it. And I always notice when I don't do it. Then mm -hmm. throughout the day, I start feeling that life of energy. Um, discipline prayer time is probably a really, really hard one for me because communication with God through prayer has never been a strong point of mine. Um, it was very hard for me to talk to someone who I couldn't see or who isn't doesn't always feel physically there mm. um and so actually setting aside time to pray is still a challenge mm. and so Emil and I what we often do is when we pray for the girls at night um he'll pray and he'll sort of give me a look and I'll be like okay I'll pray as well and then um I will pray out loud which is always a bit scary for me just because I think we have such high expectations of ourselves sometimes and we think we have to say things a certain way or, I don't know, I think my biggest thing is I want to model healthy prayer to my children mm -hmm. and being reminded that healthy prayer looks like just having a conversation and sometimes saying silly things. Um, that's a better model for our kids than saying everything perfectly. Mm -hmm. So um doing my best to do that as well. So absolutely disciplined, set aside time with Christ is very important in our life. 
and when you have a very full schedule like we do, um, I actually plan my day out almost by the half hour sometimes. And that's the only way that I can make it work and dis- but, and with discipline prioritise that time. Yeah, like I've always admired that about you, that um, your ability to be quite highly organised and very like structured in the way that you do things. Um, how how have you developed that? Because I remember when we used to live together, you had to juggle being like a flatmate, being a girlfriend, studying, and also like just being a sister and being a human being and you had to juggle all of that. And I see, and I still see that now um, as you're talking. So how did you develop, how did you develop that structure or that ability to be quite highly organized? That is very kind of you to say, because in all honesty, I feel like in my university years, I was not doing it very well. Um, Mm -hmm. I felt very overwhelmed and I struggled to prioritize things. Um, I did have a lot going on. Like you were saying, I was, in all honesty, and I'm saying this as candidly as possible, I was a terrible flatmate. I'm pretty sure I was almost never there. Um, and I was always, you know, spending time with a meal or at studies or at work because I was working in the evenings as well. And then I was also quite actively involved in the church with the children's ministry. So it was definitely, I don't think I prioritized well. So it's very kind of you to say that you saw it in me. So I'm glad that I probably organized a little bit better than I thought um Mm. but yes it's to be honest that's more skill that I've developed since having children um Mm -hmm. I think when I was um in university it was very much a fake it till you make it situation I try to make Mm -hmm. myself look very organized I try to make myself look like I was in control when I felt completely the opposite um the skill set that Emil and I started building with planning our day started probably about uh gosh just before we found out we were expecting Anarika because um we suddenly realized just how crazy life was going to get so we realized we needed to prioritize date night we needed to prioritize family dinners we needed to prioritize having friends over going over to friends getting to church there was a lot that we wanted to do um so we would sit down on Sunday nights and start writing down what our week would look like and so I have a yeah, I, I rely very heavily on my phone's calendar <laughs> to do this. Mm-hmm. So it sends me notifications when things are happening. Um, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have made it to this little catch up if it wasn't for my notifications from from my wonderful cal- calendar. I just love my calendar now. Um, yeah, But yes, it's definitely something we've worked on. And we've had a lot of guidance in that because we've made a really intentional habit of connecting with people who we see are good at this sort of stuff and Mm -hmm. we ask them for their help and assistance and we often get them to look over our things just to tell us what they think um, as a bit of an outside perspective and there have been times when we haven't planned things very well and they've pointed it out to us which has been very helpful in re-juggling things Um, and I'm still learning I've literally just spent the morning trying to figure out a double booking that I made for next week. So, you know, it's a constant battle and I'm grateful for the tools we have to set this time aside. And actually, um, yeah, I don't think we would do very well without our planning sessions on Sunday nights. Hmm. How How about you, you you plan your days? 
Um, how do I plan my days? Uh, it's a combination of my days are planned for me, just with rosters at work um, and rosters at placement and myself structuring my days as well. Um, so it's a bit of both. I guess I know that things that need to be done, they're things that need to be prioritized, i.e. family time. And I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but like um, I've been dating someone for the past year. So prioritizing being a girlfriend as well and making time for Darcy. Um, and I've heard wonderful things making about time. him on this podcast. So looking forward yeah, to Yeah, him like he's pretty great. Um, mm-hmm. He promised me, um, this, um, this is me being candid. He was like, I'll come on the podcast as your hundredth episode. So I am like churning through guests trying to get to number 100 um, so that he, he will come on the podcast with me and you guys will get to meet him. Well, you can meet him anytime, but like, Mm -hmm. I, I'm just excited for the hundredth episode. Um, To work towards. Yeah, totally. It's like, so if you're like, Oh, how long is she going to have this podcast? At least a hundred episodes guys, at least. Um, but yeah, like I definitely do try to, I suck at to-do lists. Um, even though I like ticking to-do lists off, I really suck at those. I much prefer priority lists and then structure my days around that. So for example, today, um, I finished my exams yesterday, like all of them studies done. And today I'm I pretty much slept in and um, binged watched one episode. And I was like, today, this is what I'm, this is the one thing that I'm doing, doing quote unquote. Um, And after that, I'm going to edit some more podcasts. And that's really how I structure my day. Um, But for me, it's learning to structure it, not out of fear or anxiety because my brain tends towards that and my brain tends to lie to me sometimes and make up worst case scenarios. So it's learning to plan with Jesus in that moment and calm down and use a lot of like breath exercises and centering stuff um, and centering exercises, whether it be in the form of the type of TV shows that I watch. So right now I'm into foreign films because they force me to not rely on English, but to actually read the words. And that means I'm in the moment and my brain is not like thinking, oh, you could be doing this, you could be doing this, but I'm actually in that moment, I'm fully present, which is something I tend to run towards of not being fully present in that moment. So weird tangent, but that's kind of how I structure and prioritize life. Yeah. Quickly, gonna pop a wee dummy on the child's mouth. I'll be back in two seconds. That's totally fine. This is real life. Good nap right now. It doesn't seem to be the case. Mm. She's okay. She's okay. She's just next door in the other room. So that's all right. If you I can, do hear you can bring her in on the podcast, <laughs> that's all right. You can bring her in as well in the oh. podcast. I'm pretty sure everybody here all baby snuffles would be keen to hear. <laughs> yeah. Pardon? Hear all the baby snuffles. Like the yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I've always like, I've structured that this podcast to be very much like, Hey, this is, this is real life. This is Mm -hmm. real people. 
these we get to hear stories of people who are living their lives and this is this is what real life looks like if you have small children they are going to wake up and you're going to bring them in yes yeah we've had some fun the last few days with the teething she's decided to wake up quite a lot more than usual and so it just means that we don't have as much time freedom until those teeth are properly out the stuff that parents talk about right teeth coming out (laughs) crazy uh, no, um, yeah, that's pretty no, cool. How how has oh, sorry? Continue. No, you go for it. <laughs> no, no. Um, I was gonna ask you, like, how how has motherhood like reshaped your priorities? Yes. Um, like, because clearly children are a massive life event um, that continues until yes. the day you die. Um, but how has that like shifted your priorities? That's a nice question. I think motherhood, it becomes a part of how we define ourselves once the children come along. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it has increased my capacity in certain ways. Um, I love it when people say that children raise parents because, yes, while while we're raising the children, I think no one is ever fully prepared for what a child will do. Um, when they come along and since every child is unique and different there isn't really a way to predict what life changes will happen um I think one thing that Emil and I were quite determined to do from the beginning and this doesn't work with every parent so um, every parent has different methods but it was that our schedules wouldn't revolve around our children but that we would incorporate them into our daily life uh so We try to organize routines and things in a way that allows flexibility. And because Emil and I are very social people and we like to spend time with friends, um, it would be incredibly difficult for us to uh, do so if we had particular nap times or particular um, times that the children would eat or all sorts of things like that. So... Uh, for Ingela, for example, what we did is we figured out a bedtime routine that we do, and we do the same routine every single time. But if we do it at 7 o'clock or at 9 o'clock at night, uh, she tends to respond really well to it. So it's not like it needs to be at a certain time that we get her into bed. Uh, so not many of our priorities have changed in that sense. We still spend a lot of time with people. I regularly connect with other mums during the week who are also full-time parents, um so we're still out and about spending a lot of time investing in other people and I guess also being invested in because we learn so much from each other um Mm -hmm. and we still prioritize uh going to church um I think yeah once again I do not recommend this to everyone (laughs) but two two days after Anarika was born and she was born with a cesarean section um we went to a friend's party (laughs) So, you know, just major surgery, but we still managed to make it work that we went to a friend's party because that was very important to us. They were celebrating their um, uh, their business operating for five years. And so we wanted to be there and support them with it. And we brought her along and everyone loved having a little baby around. And newborns, you know, I guess we hit the jackpot because they were quite chill, both of ours. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so the biggest thing that would have changed is, I guess, our future focus. Um, One thing Emil and I struggled with when we first connected was 
seeing further into the future than a year. So we mm. didn't make long-term plans. We didn't set aside um, our finances very well. And we didn't, um, I guess, yeah. in general, we didn't plan ahead very well. And now that we have children, we're realizing that they're relying on us. They're dependent on us. What sort of legacy are we going to leave for them? Um, how are we going to provide them with everything we would like to provide them? And so we are a lot more focused on our future than we were in the past. Mm-hmm. Sounds funny. Focused on our future than we were in the past. Um, yeah. no, and we love that it. Is a beautiful we phrase. looking into the future. We have a lot bigger dreams than we used to have. Um, I think the biggest reason was because we always had this romantic idea that once we were married, we would head off to the Amazon jungle and um, serve as missionaries there full time and do things like that. Um, And we didn't realize the reality of something like that. And it didn't happen the way we planned. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm using quotation marks in the air there because plans weren't necessarily a thing. Um, But yeah, now we do. And that's falling back to that priorities and the planning that we were talking about earlier, Wilma, how um, I don't feel like I was very good at it in the past and now we are. And so that's definitely made a big difference. It's also made us a lot more aware about what we allow in. And just like you were Mm -hmm. saying, what you very careful about the programs that you watch and the things that you listen to. Um, It's made us also realize that our children see everything. And so if we wouldn't want our children seeing or interacting with something, then why would we? And so it's definitely changed, Mm -hmm. I guess, what we consider entertainment. It's, um, Mm -hmm. and it's also changed the amount of time that we probably invested in entertainment um, Mm -hmm. in the past too. We spend very little time in front of the television at the moment. So what do you guys do for entertainment? Read books? We do. We do read books. We um, spend a lot of time outside when the weather allows it, you know, sunny Dunedin. And Mm. so (laughs) we love to go to parks and explore beaches and do things like that. So we find a lot more fulfillment, I guess, in getting out and about and doing something physical. Um, We play a lot of games. When we visit with friends, we do board games. That's definitely a big positive for us um and yeah we and like I said we're very social so we spend a lot of time with people um and when you spend time with people well the last thing you're often thinking about is what's on tv because you're more interested in what's going on with other people's lives um and learning about what they're experiencing and going through and what their stories are yeah yeah now that is wonderful how you mentioned before that um, the party that you went to was two days post cesarean section. Was that like a planned Caesar or did something happen that you ended up having to have a cesarean section? I would love to share about that and I will be here in two seconds with the child this time. That's okay. Hello, Anarika. Say hello, Auntie Lana. Hi. <laughs> Yeah, so this is the baby noises you hear now are coming from the uh, seven-month-old, Anarika. She's giving Wilma a lovely Hello. smile. That was cute. Hello. Hello little oh, baby. she's so pretty. Look at Oh, I want one, but not yet. I know. Um. <laughs> yeah, so cute. She's in that sweet spot right now where I'm almost like, oh, we should have another one, but not yet. <laughs> 
Um, exactly. Yeah. Not yet. You're like, mm, yeah. Our um our story our story when it comes to um bringing children into the world is is it was quite challenging for us. Um, with our first one, mm. it took quite a while to conceive her, so we were mm-hmm. worried about things like infertility and stuff. But um, yeah, she surprised us after a little while of being ready to have children. And so that was mm-hmm. lovely. Um, she ended up being a breech baby and we wanted to see if we could do a physiological birth as much as possible because Emil and I both had visions of a very big family and the more cesareans you have, the less you are encouraged to have more pregnancies because less on your body. Mm-hmm. So it's... Um, the way, the way my midwife <laughs> explained it to me the first time is, remember, a cesarean is major abdominal surgery. And I think mm-hmm. oftentimes we forget that that's what it is. It's not just a routine sort of quick in and out procedure. But, yes, so with, um, with our first, she was a breech baby. She wouldn't turn. So we went in for um, an external Catholic version, which basically means the, the doctors try to turn the baby around but from the outside. Um, Mm -hmm. and so the first time we attempted that, it didn't work. And the second time we attempted that, um, I had a spinal block, so I didn't feel it this time, which was a lot better. Um, but then she went into, uh, fetal distress. And so we ended up needing to deliver her via emergency cesarean, but it worked out very well because I already had my spinal block in and Emil could still come in with me. So it wasn't like I needed to go into general anesthesia, which would have Mm -hmm. made it a lot more challenging for Emil, I think, Mm -hmm. um, in that case. And then um, shortly, a few months, well, once, gosh, I think think Ingela was about 11 months old. Uh, We became pregnant again. We lost that baby. And then a few months later, we lost another baby. So we had two... um, miscarriages both very traumatic and very awful experiences um Mm -hmm. and so we basically were at a place where we didn't feel like we wanted to try again and Mm -hmm. then this one surprised us as well we were not expecting her at that point um we weren't expecting to be expecting and so naturally Mm -hmm. very nerve-wracking but thanks to the trauma mm-hmm. of our first cesarean, um, my body's healing was quite funny. So um, I ended up developing what's called, um, oh, gosh, now the name's escaping me. It's basically like scar tissue, but it's almost like spider webs, and it pulls all your organs together. Uh, adhesions. That's what Interesting. Cesarean section okay. adhesions. And so when they went, so this one was a planned cesarean because she was a breech baby too. And um, as they went in to get her out, they realized that there was a lot more scar tissue than they were prepared for. So the surgery ended up taking twice as long. I ended up getting feeling back just before they were finished with it. So I felt them doing my final stitches. And at the same time, when they delivered her, she was completely lifeless. And they did CPR for three minutes. Oh, God. Alicia, like, just just turn out. Just turn out. I'm sorry. It's been a while now, so it's not so emotional anymore. <laughs> like this is the first time I'm hearing this, and I'm just like, I just, I just need a time okay. out. Like, take, take a moment. Just, I just, just, just need a time out. Oh. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I have composed myself now. No worries. So, and Enrica came out completely lifeless. Yep. 
and they started performing CPR. And three minutes later, she let out the tiniest little cry and I was the happiest mama on earth. Um, And so she had some challenges in her first few weeks. She was born Mm -hmm. quite small and Mm -hmm. um, she struggled with feeding, so she wasn't picking up any weight. Uh, She literally looked like a skeleton with skin. And Mm -hmm. we ended up um, working very hard to try and build up her weight again. And now she's the healthiest, happiest little girl. But, yeah, so we've had two very challenging experiences (laughs) to bring children into the world, hence why we're taking our time before considering any more. Wow. Just so just to the listeners, Enrica is healthy. Like she's got the most beautiful chipmunk's cheeks right now. I might like actually just put this. And it's just, oh, she's just so adorable. I think I like, I will probably put a video of this just so that the audience is like, she's okay. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Like just, just, she's so adorable. Um, so a couple of questions have come up from this for me. Um, this moment, I just want to hold it and be like, this This was a traumatic event. This was a series of traumatic events, starting from being unable to conceive to having co- consecutive miscarriages and then having a traumatic birth like this. And right now you exude such joy and such peace how did you how did you stay or how did you remain or how did you become actually how did you become so joyful so peaceful and not wrecked with anxiety hmm. is my first question okay good i think thank you yeah thank you for acknowledging the intensity of the event um i often do jump over it because it has been a few months and i don't feel so emotionally troubled by it anymore um I guess number one, I'll answer this with two things. So number one, um, I cannot ignore my faith in this particular situation. Um, If Mm -hmm. I didn't have something greater to believe in, I might have spiraled. Mm -hmm. But I'm a firm believer that Jesus gives us the strength to deal with whatever situations we face. And by holding on to him, he can carry us through those difficult times. Like we spoke about early in this podcast, right? The mm-hmm. him being the anchor, um, holding us through the storms, uh, which is, you know, a very Christian easy term, but it is very true in the way that I mm-hmm. feel. Um, and number two, it was a decision to not remain stuck uh, in that space. So mm-hmm. I decided I'm not a victim. I decided to remove any victim mentality and this is going to sound very cheesy as well, but to take on a victor mentality. Mm-hmm. And instead of thinking about how we nearly lost her, I think about how she's brought so much joy into our lives since. And instead of thinking about the pain and the struggle of recovery and going through all the hard bits with her in the beginning, I choose to think about, the fun we've had since and the, the, I guess the, the impact she's already made on people uh, just with her smile and with her gentleness and people are just drawn to her. 
And so we see what, how much light she exudes. And mm-hmm. so by focusing on that instead, we are able to move forward. Now, I think Emil struggled a lot more than I did after the events, mm-hmm. probably because he was not drugged up at the time. <laughs> and so he was a lot more aware of what was going on. So he saw everything and he remembered exactly how the first cesarean went. Oh, you're giving cheeky smarts to Auntie Wilma there. Um, so we, we definitely, so with our first cesarean, even though it was an emergency cesarean, he was able to hold Ingela straight away. Uh, this time when Anarika came out and he noticed she looked a little bit odd, but he got up to go and collect her essentially. And they told him to sit down and that really um, affected him emotionally because suddenly he realized the gravity of the situation. And then in that moment as well, you know, I'm very vulnerable on the bed um, I'm getting all my feeling back. So I'm going through all the pain of the stitches and the work that the doctors are doing to close me up uh, from this wonderful surgery, which brought us so much joy in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he felt very helpless at the time. Um, and he had terrible nightmares and terrible, um, I guess, day mares as well. I'm not sure if it's probably mm-hmm. a word for it. Um, about yeah. us losing, losing about losing us and Mm -hmm. um, seeing him grow through the situation and also choose that. um, Are you waving? That's cute. Um, And also choosing that victim mentality has victor mentality. And we've Mm -hmm. been able to support each other through it. Um, We've also got a fantastic village. We've got a lot of people around us, people who we, um, who we admire and who are very close to us. And I have my parents down here and, uh, Dunedin as well so it means that we have such a strong support system that um we didn't really have time to think about it to be honest we worked mm-hmm. through the emotions very quickly we were we relished in the love that everyone um poured all over us and now we can share with a lot of joy and happiness yeah. and um I guess focusing on that is what makes it a little bit easier but yeah, yeah, it definitely does affect decision making for the future. You know, There's, there are still consequences yeah. um, to events like this. So totally, totally, man. Like, and thank you so much. Like, I just want to thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that because, yeah, it's a lot. And I just want to honor you for walking through that, still holding Jesus's hands and choosing to lean on His strength and on His grace um, and on His peace as well for your future and for the past as well. Cause I can imagine that um, even though you can only hold two babies in your physical hands, you in your heart, you're holding four. Mm-hmm. And I just want to honor you for that. Um, Thank you. And for being a good mom. Yeah. Cause this is going to sound trite, but miscarriages suck. Um, like, yeah, no other word for it. Um, and I'm sure that yeah. Wilma, with um, time going past, you probably know lo- lots of people who have experienced that kind of loss. And it's mm-hmm. something you're not usually very aware of until you are, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, after I started publishing sort of notes about how I felt throughout the miscarriage and what I went through and I experienced um, and 
so many women came out of the woodwork talking to me about how they, thank you. Um, Just for anyone listening, that was some delicious baby vomit all over me. Great times. Um, Here we go. Great times. Yeah. But yes, so, um, so many women came out of the woodwork and sort of thanked me for sharing because they almost felt ashamed that they had lost their children and they'd felt very alone um, through their own miscarriages. And so that's why they never talked about it. Um, wow. And so it's something that's becoming a lot more talked about now, which I'm really grateful for. Mm. I'm seeing a lot more people are aware of miscarriage and loss. Um, people say stupid things. They say things like, oh, at least it happened now and it didn't happen after the baby was born and stuff like that. But um, when you <sighs> when you are a parent and you have already started imagining a future with their child, they're as good as there. And so um, it is loss. It's a different kind of loss, but it is mm-hmm. loss. And people need to acknowledge no, I, I, No, I'm totally yeah. in agreement with you that it is a loss that needs to be grieved. And no one has the right to say like, oh, <laughs> I think Brené Brown says it of like, no empathetic statement starts with at least. Yes. Like, the moment you say those two words, any words after that, it's like, just stop talking right now. You're digging yourself into a hole. I, um, but nah, that's. Yeah. But yeah, no, absolutely. No, thank you for honoring that. I do think it's, um, you know, I'm blessed to be able to share my experience with people. Um, um, I feel like it is an honor and a privilege to be able to open up about things like this. And it is mm-hmm. lovely being able to do it on this platform because I know people will be listening and some of you might have experienced something like this or you mm-hmm. might experience something like this in the future. And it's important to know that you're not alone, 100% mm-hmm. not alone. Um, I think what's important to remember in those times is that um, even though there is a lot of loss and grieving that needs to be done, and I think it's very important that that is worked through and supported and encouraged. Um, your character as a person is still the same. You are still you. Um, you are you who has lost someone. Um, and so just in those times, if you feel like you're losing yourself, make sure that you're connecting with the people around you, um, connecting with someone who makes you feel heard, who makes you feel uh, like you're, real and like your loss is real um and don't try to hack it it's it's a difficult thing to go through because not only have you lost a Mm -hmm. child your physical body goes through a lot as well and um yeah so that support is very very necessary um how did you and emil um choose to grow together through this um because it wasn't just Alicia who lost a child. It mm-hmm. was Emil who lost a child as well. Yes. And how did you, how did you guys walk through that? Yeah, that's a very good point that you're bringing up there, Wilma. Oftentimes the dads are forgotten and mm-hmm. I, it breaks my heart. How many times was Emil told, oh, make sure you're supporting Alicia in this time. Make sure you're there for her. This is what you can do to help her and um, things like that. Where, in all honesty, um, oh gosh, he needed he needed the village at the time as well. The first the first loss that we experienced, he was very much alone um, because no one was quite aware of 
it's, it's very odd. The people who we connected with weren't aware how much emotional challenges the dad goes through. And so when he started sharing and being open about it as well, and people started realizing, hey, you know, this this is a parent who has had an emotional connection to this child, um, it definitely changed some people's approach the second time around. And we had mm-hmm. some people who really, you know, would tell him that they were sorry for his loss. And that was so healing. Um mm-hmm. Yes, he experienced it in a different way. Once again, just like when we had the cesarean and Anarika wasn't quite um, doing so well, he felt very helpless and he felt the same with the losses because he was emotionally broken. Um, but he wasn't, and then his poor wife, you know, me going through the actual physical side of the loss and he's not sure how to, how to help me with that, and he can't take that pain away either. Uh, he felt very much out of place. Um, mm. So we both leaned very heavily into God in those times. Um, we tried our best to be there for one another. In all honesty, I think I, I had some times where I became very angry. And um, mm. you know, when you're working through the, the grieving steps, I'm sure you're you know, most people are very aware of what the grieving steps are. I hung around the anger part a lot. And so I did lash out at Emil. So not was he dealing with his own loss. You know, he's dealing with this crazy hormonal woman yelling at him for no reason. And mm. so we had to come to a place where we actually handed it over to God together. And um, we had to be open and honest with one another. So when I was feeling particularly emotional and I needed my space, I needed to make that very clear so that he didn't come into my space and risk my wrath. And the same the other way around. When he needed to be working through things, I couldn't at that moment expect him to do things around the house or to, um, for lack of better words, serve me in ways. Um, sometimes he just needed that space as well, and it was mm-hmm. it was quite a it was quite a challenge working through all of that. And we probably wouldn't have weathered the storm so well if it wasn't for for the people in our lives who were there to help. So my parents took. Ingela for a few days sometimes, you know, just to get her out of the house so that we could have some time to just grieve. Um, we created little memory boxes for the children who we'd lost. Um, we gave them names and we, and just like we wrote prayers for Ingela and Anarika, we wrote prayers for them as well. So they each have their own prayer. And while we don't pray it over them because, well, they're not here, um, it's in their little memory boxes. Um, and Emil is a very strong man. He's a very strong person, but he's also very emotionally mature. So he was able to work through his emotions a lot faster than I was. And um, so I'm very grateful for the way he was there for me. And um, I just hope that I was there for him in the way that he needed at the time. Um, mm-hmm. We haven't actually talked about it in a while, so it might be worth sort of going over 
our experience mm-hmm. again, just chatting and yeah. seeing how we felt at the time. Not wallowing in that grief, but I guess celebrating the joy we did have before before mm-hmm. we lost them. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's very yeah. important. Men need a stronger support network. And I know, Wilma, you have I quite do. a heart for for um, for men and building up I men in, in a world where they're broken down so much. Yeah. Um, I, I think so far in the podcast, like, episodes, it's a ratio of four to one, as in four guys have been interviewed and one girl um, has been interviewed, like, release-wise. And I just kind of looked at it and I was like, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but, yeah, I do have a very strong heart of, which is really funny, um, of protecting and championing men. Um, mm-hmm. I say it's funny because the mature masculine lives to serve um, the people around them, lives to defend the people around them. So I, I'm the one who's like, I just think mature masculinity is something that's really to be celebrated. Oh, hello. See, see, Angelo agrees with me. Um, uh, but I think it's, it's something to be celebrated. It's something to be honored and talked about because we, we need strong men. (laughs) That's, that's, we, that's just, I don't know what else to say about, apart from that, of like, we need strong men who um, protect, who serve, who um, honor. And yeah, the masculine is just beautiful. And I, I will die on that hill and that's okay. <laughs> you love Genesis, don't you? That's one I love all. Oh. enjoy all of it. But oh you, I mean, how, and just thinking about the fact, like in the beginning, God created them, man and woman, he created them. Um, he didn't create them in a hierarchy. He didn't make one better than the other. It's so vital for men and women to work together in harmony for this world to function well um, and to fulfill their roles. And that's definitely something that's been very important in my relationship with Emil is celebrating his masculinity, celebrating uh, the balance he brings to all the estrogen in our house. Um, and just the, the mas- testosterone. What yeah. a grounding hormone, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yes, he's, he's definitely probably, gosh, the poor guy. He's just been surrounded by women his entire life. And so the fact that he's managed to maintain his identity and not feel, I guess, put down in any sense has been amazing. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I love celebrating him and celebrating the facet he brings to our relationship. Like, I wish he was here right now, part of this podcast, because he just has so much wisdom and so much strength that he brings. Um, and I just have the deepest love for the guy. He is absolutely crazy and absolutely wonderful. Um, but, yeah, he's definitely a good guy. He's an amazing dad, an amazing husband. Um, and, yeah, and he's he's got such a heart for men too, Wilma. He's currently mm. working with um, some some social services to create a support network for men um, oh. here in Dunedin. Um, there's already an existing one, but it's a very short sort of, like, short program so he's wanting yeah. to create a more continuation of care situation and that's amazing um yeah the things that some guys have had to go go through and then they get told to just get over it 
Yeah. Yeah. It's awful. It's, uh, <laughs> it's awful. I yeah. think that it's easy <clears throat> for, like, particularly nowadays, you hear, like, hey, like, Wilma, like, you don't know what men have done. Like, you know, if we could police more men, women could walk in the streets, like, safely and stuff like that. And um, that's another debate for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think that even in that particular scenario, men are put in, um, they are lost in a, in a group thing. Mm-hmm. And, as, and women are treated as individuals while men are treated as groups. And it's easy to dehumanize a group. Yeah. It's much harder to remove the humanity of an individual. And that's why I try, I I really appreciate that you've spoken specifically about Emil because it's like, look at this guy, look at what he has gone through and look at how much Alicia is actually flourishing through this. Look at the peace and joy that she's going through that Emil has prayed and worked and served his wife to the point that she feels safe enough to talk about the stuff on a podcast Mm -hmm. that she's not emasculating him or diminishing his words by talking about the, the storms and the horrors that they've weathered through. And we're seeing the wonder and beauty and masculinity that is a meal. And I just think that's really beautiful to see of when we, stop thinking of men as a group and see them as individuals we see like oh you are human too yes um you are human too you you bleed too you cry too mm-hmm. um and there is there's a level of honor and the there's a level of like privilege as well um that comes when you are your man's safe place mm-hmm. as well like i I don't know about you, but I know like Darcy can tell me anything and there is an honor that comes to that where you're like, man, like he trusts me in a world where like it's like women are told to be like, oh, they just go and like talk about their guys and yes. behind with their girlfriends. And it's like, oh no, he, like he trusts me. Mm-hmm. He chooses to like, yeah. um, quote unquote, remove the armor around me. And I think that's, that's really beautiful yeah. and really precious and i love to hear that that's what you bring to a meal as well and i think that's beautiful and worth celebrating i think just as a side note to that well matt something that i find i really love what you're saying there now about how you and darcy just have such important roles to play in each other's life right and just like Emil mm-hmm. and i have a really important role to play in our lives um in each other's lives and I often like to think about it as oftentimes when you look at relationships, especially, and especially with what you're experiencing now, because this is your first sort of like really serious relationship and, mm-hmm. um, and you're both so committed. And I think what people often forget is that commitment is a hundred percent on both sides. And mm-hmm. um, I often hear people talking about their partners as their better half or the other half or things like that. And Emil and I are both very serious about highlighting, well, if that person's your half, then on your own, you're only a half. So we oftentimes refer to ourselves as each other's other 100%. And it's, mm. once again, I love little cheesy things like that. But I think Emil is not half a person 
and neither am I. And we are both, even though together we are stronger and in the sight of God, we are one. Um, it's one of those funny situations where, well, you know what? We're going to make 200% one this time instead of, yep. <laughs> instead of two. Um, and it's so vital that you bring everything of yourself from both sides. Um, you don't keep that armor on. You don't keep things aside um, so that you maintain your individuality, but you are contributing mm -hmm. all of yourself to the relationship. And so true. Yeah, I totally 100% agree. How have you maintained your individuality within the relationship and not be like, oh, I'll just, yeah, really, like, and not just feel, I guess, like the myths that surround mm -hmm. Christian dating of like, oh, um, I guess we could probably talk about it as the shadow of like being submissive of like, oh, no, I'll just be quiet with my mouth and not say anything mm -hmm. because that's just a very weird version of what submission looks like. Yeah. Um, but like they, those myths do exist within Christian subculture. Um, oh, actually, before we talk about that, maybe we should talk about like, we should probably define submission and headship because the mm -hmm. different people that people will hear this very differently. Yeah. Um, ranging from all the way to like, this sounds like abuse and all the way to BDSM. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should just yeah. define it. Yeah, you, you, you go. Yeah, of course. Okay, so in the way we see it, so, I mean, we could get all theological about it. Emil and I feel very mm -hmm. strongly about us having a complementarian relationship um, in the mm -hmm. sense that our different, our different strengths complement one another's. Mm -hmm. um, but we also consider ourselves 100% equal in our relationship. And when we talk about submission, um, we talk about it in this way. We, we, we have a common purpose in life. And so because we have a common purpose, a common mission in life, I suppose, uh, we are subject to that mission. So mm -hmm. together we are pursuing God. Together we are pursuing building our family. Together we are pursuing growing ourselves. And so when we submit to one another, it's we're submitting to that overall mission together. Yeah. Um, and so... Submission is not necessarily, you know, the dirty, ooh, I'm just going to be quiet about it, like you were saying, because that is a, you're, you're right, that is a, a very strong myth in Christian subculture that comes through. Um, it doesn't mean that a woman is supposed to be seen and not heard. It's, mm -hmm. it's a both end, both submit to one another. Um, the Bible even says submit to each other. It doesn't just say one submit to the other and the other one doesn't have to. And when you look yeah. at the... <laughs> yes, you agree. You're getting excited. The way we also see it is there's, there's, a, there's a verse in the Bible which says um, uh, that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Mm -hmm. So when we see it from that perspective, and you've been talking very strongly about the service that men do, the way they provide that environment and they provide that um you know, that safety as well um, in the relationship. Yes, 100% we are submitting to each other. I serve Emil, he serves me. Um, we want to serve one another. We want to build each other up. And, and yes, we do fight and we do argue and we do disagree, but conflict is good. It's good in a relationship. If one just is, what's it, what's it saying? It's um, 
if two people completely agree, then one of them is unnecessary. <laughs> so it makes a lot more sense to have lively discussions because you bring something different to the table. And uh, together you're so much, I guess, stronger than you are on your own. Um, mm -hmm. There are so many pictures in the Bible of what unity looks like. Um, that mm -hmm. can be applied not just to people in general, but to marriages, to families, to ah! friends. Yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, so true, so true. Um, yeah, so what, what did we want to talk about now that we've defined, I guess, something? Um, oh, man, what, was, what did I say? Of, like, how you guys work through that relationship and yes. how you hold that relationship together. How we stay individuals as well as um, yeah, yeah. submitting to one another. Okay, so mm -hmm. um, the way we see it is everyone's personal growth is a personal journey. So we're so what's it? Personal growth is a singles journey. We each have mm -hmm. different areas that we need to grow in, different areas that God is working on us, different focuses that He gives us at different times. Um, and so we maintain our individuality by continuing in our relationship with Christ on our own. So we have, we do come together and spend time together in the word and um, we do spend time together in church and in Christian fellowship, uh, but we also make sure that we have our individual time with Christ. Mm -hmm. And then with everything else as well, Emil and I are big readers. Um, so we're always reading books and we're reading different books and we're reading whatever is important to us at that particular point in time. So at the moment, Emil is reading a really good book called Legacy by James Kerr. It's, mm -hmm. um, it's a book that sort of talks about the All Blacks um, and how they've sort of, I guess, created a team culture that is very unique and has been pivotal in their success in the rugby world. Mm -hmm. um, but there's strong life lessons in it. Yeah. And a big part of it is um, – yeah, I guess sub that submission thing. Coming, look at that. It's submitting to one another and supporting mm -hmm. one another and being a team. And so that's something that Emil and I are focusing on. In that sense, he's focusing on that book. Now, personally, I am still working very much on my self-esteem. Emil has good self-esteem. Mm -hmm. I still struggle sometimes with believing in myself and believing what I'm capable of. So yeah. I've got a book coming in the mail soon called What to Say When You Talk to Yourself by Shad Helmsteader. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really excited to read that because I feel like it's going to help me increase my self-talk um, and my positive perspective of myself in a, like a really good way. So we're working on different things, but in parallel with one another, because in order to um, serve one another, we need to acknowledge our individual strengths. Um, so I guess that's probably... And then also, if we're looking at a more practical sense, like Emil and I still have our own things that we do. So he mm -hmm. goes long distance running a lot. I only do short, short, short distances. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. it's pointless for us to do that together um, because there's yeah. no way that I'd be able to keep up with him. Um, mm -hmm. I do other things. I go hang out with my, my girlfriends. We go out and say, no guys allowed. So, you know, maintaining yeah. those individual relationships with people as well but always coming back together I think we never exclude each other like I know if if yeah. I wanted to I could go run 42k with a meal but I don't want to do that mm -hmm. 
and no, <laughs> there's no way he'd want to be part of a girl's night. Like it just yeah doesn't make sense. Um, yeah. So we try to maintain things that we really care about as well, um, personally, as we go forward. Yeah. Um, we make sure we have individual time with the girls so that mummy and daddy don't become you know, synonymous with one another. Mm-hmm. So they still know this is my dad, so I have daddy dates with my dad, and this is my mum, so I have mummy dates with mum. Uh, dad does this, mum does this. They're in complete mm-hmm. agreement, but we invest individual time into the girls. Um, that's wonderful. It's just important for us to try and maintain that. And once again, um, it all comes back to being disciplined about that, Mm -hmm. being disciplined about setting aside those times. It's very easy to just be like, Oh, what are we going to do now? You want to run. I don't want to run. So let's watch a TV show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Instead, well, it's like, okay, well, you know what? You go for your run and I'll do something else. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, still get lots of time together. We have dedicated date nights. We have dedicated time with one another in the mornings. Um, and we love having each other around. So Mm -hmm. how about, how about you, Wilma? How do you find this in the relationship, maintaining Um, your individual? So Darcy and I are quite different. Um, in terms of personality wise, he's a raging extrovert and um, I'm an introvert. So we try to meet in the middle and accommodate with one, with, accommodate with one another with that. Um, but because we've been in lockdown a lot, <laughs> we're now out of lockdown, praise God, um, in Melbourne. But um, I what, had the fireworks on a video that was circling the internet. Everyone was very excited. It was about great. That. It was great. It was a great time. Um, so we always try to like hang out with other people. And also I'm, I communicate of being like, Hey, like I, I can't do this. Like after two hours, I usually start like falling asleep and he's like, all right, Wilma's, Wilma's getting tired. It's probably time to go. So I understand that I'm one of the limiting factors in how we hang out. So I make sure that I have, um, beforehand have had sufficient like energy, like people energy to be able to go out. And even in the interim, when we're with other people, I make sure that I have like those really short, um, those not short, but one-on-one conversations with people. Cause those are more feeling to me than like being in a group space. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I always try to do, but yeah, we have different interests. We, like what you said, we pursue different things. And yeah, I guess that's kind of how we've kind of stayed individuals, but like we, like as in Darcy and I are okay. Mm-hmm. Like we always make sure we make a priority of like, hey, are we okay? Do you feel respected? Do you feel loved? Do you feel adored? Um, what can I do to make you realize that more? Um, those type of questions, just checking in. And even when we argue, um, because we do, um, infrequently, but like we do argue, we are still able to be quite respectful about it. Yeah. Yeah. I am, he's more of the type who's like, if we're in an argument, we have to like fix it that day. While I'm more of the person who's like, actually, what you said really hurt me. I don't know why, 
but I'm going to like take 24 hours and come back to you. And he knows that. And like, I tell him that in the next day, I'm like, Hey, I felt this when this happened. Here is it. Here's what's going on. And you, and we always, we always resolve it. Um, Mm -hmm. they, and if it's something that feels unresolvable or feels hurtful, we just like, like there was one moment where like, there was just, uh, yeah, just an ongoing conflict where I just bowled my eyes out and he was, he just held me. And that's, that was the resolution mm-hmm. of like, not necessarily the situation was fixed, but that even in the unfixed state, we are okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, yeah, just a high level of respect of the way the other person sees life mm-hmm. and the uh, humility and willingness to see life through their eyes. Um, because when you're in the middle of a conflict, like what matters most is not like, uh, being like, oh, I was right. Or you were wrong type Mm -hmm. of vibe. What matters most is like, Hey, this hurt me. Mm -hmm. Can we heal? But yeah, so that's that. It's a fun thing working through all those things for me and looking back and sort of seeing how you grow together and you work through those conflicts. It makes you a stronger um, I agree. And, and like you're saying, it actually even increases your respect for one another because it shows you, I guess it just it allows you to be vulnerable, which is mm-hmm. a big sign of strength, as we both know. Um, yeah. And it also gives you history. And there's something mm-hmm. very grounding about history because, you you know, when you go visit with some friends and they've got another friend there who's they've known since they were you know, tots and like you got yeah. to know them when they were teens and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you feel like, oh, you know, I'm missing a lot of the history that these guys have together yeah. um, because it does bring so much depth and quality to a relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's why I am so inspired by people who have been married for, you know, 40, 50 years because the amount Agreed. of things that they have gone through together and the depth of love that they've grown with one another is, it's incredibly, it's mind-boggling, you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's like staring into an abyss of, I don't know, how would you describe it, Wilma? You're very good with your words. Um, I, I think I said this to one of my podcast hosts of, like, the longer you're with someone, the more comfortable you're sitting in silence because the silence has depth. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like, uh, there's a history that is there that the silence is loud, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because you just kind of give each other this look or when somebody says a phrase and you're like, <laughs> because you automatically know what that means. So I think it's, it's learning, it's learning to build a love that even in the silence, the love is still loud. That's mm-hmm. how I, probably would say yeah that makes a lot of sense that's very beautifully said thank you you. (laughs) yeah um so we've reached the part of the podcast where you get to ask me questions now when you consider yourself and your identity as a person Mm -hmm. what is it about you that you find most significant and your person. Hmm. 
I think the most significant thing about me is... That is such a good question. I have to think about this for a moment. Take the time. It's all good. Yeah. I don't think people ask nice deep questions these days anymore, so it's nice when you have an opportunity to really think. Yeah. At the top of my head, the first thing that came to my mind was poet. Um, Because I think that title encapsulates a lot of things that I do and a lot of things of who I am in terms of... um, because poetry has a wide range of, um, I guess, styles that you can go through. And I I feel like I don't necessarily fit boxes in other people's minds or what people think of what, I don't know, a short African chick who is a scientist, like, and also a Christian. Like, I just don't think, like, I fit into those boxes. So I think poet in terms of somebody who who loves to view life through more of a idyllic and romantic lens but still chooses to be grounded is something that I'd say is something significant that I would think about mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. That's thank really you. Cool. That was a really good question. Thank you for sharing. That's very cool. Because I think what I love about what you said there is, you know, you like to look through the lens of things being idyllic and romantic and still remaining grounded. Mm-hmm. And how often is it those romantic ideals and futures that we have in our mind that is the grounding for us? And, you know, it gives us a purpose and a direction to move. And it's Mm -hmm. like we were talking about that history that you build up in a relationship. It gives you something to hold on to Um, Mm -hmm. and that hope for the future, which is exciting, you know. Yeah. Totally. But yeah, thank you so much, Alicia. It's been a great chat. Thank you so much for having me on. It's I've been looking forward to catching up with you. And um, yeah, I feel like I've connected with you so nicely after so many years. Gosh, do you think it's, it's been, been, so it's been a minute? And I'm really, really grateful that you took the time to um, spend some time with us and that you've also been very gracious with my grunty little baby over here. So thank you. No, I love, I love babies and I, I enjoy like having, mo- well, I was about to say moments of interruptions, but I'm like, they're not. Babies don't interrupt most of the time. Um, it's just when, how can I say this? I think that to view life through the lens of a baby, of being like, they, they can teach us so many lessons of like being present. Like I'm stuck in this, like being present, um, vibe, um, discipline, I guess for the past like couple of weeks. But yeah, I just think this children in their ability to be needy and in their ability to be slow, teach us to be present in that moment. Because when they're hungry, nothing. It's like, I don't care that you're tired. I want my food true. now. So true. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way they know how to communicate. So, yeah. You know, as they grow and they develop those communication skills. And I think it's just such a great metaphor for life. And yet we could talk about this for ages. Um, yeah. 
the amount of things you learn with babies, right? It's just incredible. Yeah. But no, I really incredible. do appreciate this time with you, Emma. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more of your podcast and the cool things that the people are sharing and the um, the joy that you're managing to find in everyone. I think that's been yeah. what I've enjoyed the most about your podcast so far is just the joy and the laughter and the fun. And so if you keep yeah. that up, you know, you, you're going to make it to the 100th podcast and beyond with ease. Oh. <laughs> oh, we'll try. We'll try. Thank you so much. Thank you.